it's you can't move through it because you're just you're not allowing yourself to even acknowledge that it's there really so you get really stuck and the only way to make progress i found at least in my own experience was to you know accept that it existed and sort of release the pressure valve of that blaming like that blame that i was putting on myself so that i could process it and move forward Welcome to the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm your host, Marissa, founder of Quilling Co. and mentor of other designers just like you. Step into clarity with me as I have candid conversations about both the growth and the goof ups of navigating this wild ride of online business. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm so excited. I have Crystal Walsh here with me today. She's a website copywriter and strategist for client-based businesses, which means that she writes your website words and so that they not only attract more clients, but they also are the right clients. And I love that she has helped her clients gone on to book four-figure services straight from their website without any sales calls and help them rank in the top five of Google search results for really competitive search terms. Thanks for being here with me, Krista. Thank you so much, Marissa. I'm so excited. Will you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became a copywriter, how you started your business? Sure. Yeah. So I am a website copywriter. So my specialty is working on websites. So creating the website strategy and doing the messaging for people's what I believe should be your most valuable sales tool, the one that you're using the most, which is your website. I got started as a true freelancer throughout college and a little bit after college, I was working these independent book publishing houses doing kind of a ton of different marketing and editing things. And I decided I didn't want to do that anymore because it was very corporate. Like it was a creative industry, but the actual work of working for a book publisher is like you go to an office every day, you have, you know, you have your little like lunch break situation. So it was very corporate feeling. And I was, I think I was like 20. And I was like, this can't be my life forever. I just don't want this. So I quit my job and I decided to teach English in Spain because they were offering a program to anybody um, from an English speaking country who, you know, had a college degree and wanted to like get into teaching. That so sounds I- much fun. <laughs> It was really, it was also hard. I mean, it was hard to move to a country where you know no one and you have no oh, support gosh. and you don't totally speak the language, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> but it also was a lot of fun. It gave me the opportunity to start freelancing because I had a a lot of extra time because I was, it was a part-time job. So I started freelancing through platforms like Upwork, doing book editing and doing marketing stuff. Essentially throughout that year, that work morphed into what is copywriting. So copywriting is essentially marketing writing. And I realized I really loved it. It really fit my skill set. So when I came back to the United States after that year, I moved to Los Angeles and I doubled down and I took courses and I learned everything I could about it and started marketing myself as a copywriter. And that's how I ended up here. What a good story. What's something that you find that like most people get wrong about copywriting or just generally misunderstand? I mean, one thing people think is when I say I'm a copywriter, they're like, oh, copyright law? No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not that at all. But the second thing is a lot of times people think copywriting is about good writing, that it's about like words that sound pretty or like sound good. Copywriting is so much more about the the meat of what you're actually saying, like the content, the messaging, and not so much about like little baby word choices. 
I think in the same way, like I know a lot of your audience are designers. I think in the same way that like people might think design is just about like pretty aesthetics, but there's a lot of strategy that goes into like why you chose the design and how it serves the goals of your client, right? <laughs> it's really similar to to the design world in that like, yeah, the tool is the writing or the tool is the the design. It's all in service of the goal of your client, which is really to build a strong brand and sell your services or offers or product or whatever it is. What I do with my clients is I interview up to six of their past clients. So these are people who really match like your avatar if you've done that, or even if you haven't done an avatar, they're just people that you've loved working with. And you'd be like, all of my clients were like these people. I'd be so happy. <laughs> interview them. Just most people are super happy to do it because they loved working with you. And they're like, hell yeah, I'll like talk about myself for 30 minutes. That's easy record the interview and then look at those transcripts and, and look at, you know, what what are some common themes that are coming up in those? And that can give you like some clear direction on what those messages should be. So hard for people when they're doing this by themselves and not working with a copywriter or a brand strategist or someone that's going to kind of pull out that specialness. It's just so hard to to see it for yourself sometimes. I love that tip. It absolutely is so hard. I mean, I had to interview my clients too because it was hard for me, even though I do this all the time. Okay, so I know that we've talked a little bit before this and you've mentioned before how you started talk therapy and it has been a really big turning point in your business. I'm like, let's just dive into the deep stuff right away. <laughs> <laughs> Will you explain to everyone listening um, what exactly is talk therapy if they might not know? Yes, absolutely. So talk therapy, I don't know if that's the technical term, but it's essentially what you think of when you think about like people say like, I have a therapist, usually they mean like a, a therapist where they're doing talk therapy. So you're working with a psychotherapist through one on one sessions where you sit with them and they ask you questions and you talk about what's going on in your life, your mental health or your behaviors to help you understand what's going on with you and make improvements. Awesome. So what was your big learning experience from it? How did it help you in your business? So I wanted to talk on this podcast about about my experience with therapy, because I think it's talked about a ton in like the personal development space. And for sure, it has helped me a ton in my personal life and my relationships. But it's also helped me a ton as a business owner. And I wanted to bring that to light and share how it's helped me in that zone. Yeah. So what were your big takeaways from it? I think the biggest thing was seeing some unhelpful thought patterns and behaviors that I had that were deeply ingrained. So for example, I think I was able to realize that I was blaming myself for a lot of things that were not actually my fault. When I saw that, I was able to then stop talking so negatively to myself, stop being that really horrible inner critic, um, and actually foster a belief, like a core belief that I was a good person and I'm worthy of having good things in life. So in terms of business, this really improved my mindset and also my behaviors in business. So for example, I think the biggest shift for me was when I started having this much better relationship with myself and having a core belief that, hey, I'm a good person and I deserve good things. It really helped me pursue more opportunities to be more visible because I wasn't afraid of people seeing what I 
believed before, which was this like bad inner core. I think when you have that belief, and a lot of times, you know, people talk about it like low self-esteem or feeling ashamed all the time. And that's totally what I was going through. And it's really hard to run a business where you have to like put yourself out there constantly. You have to pitch things. You have to do speaking opportunities. You have to be on uh, social media. You have to even like quote prices that allow you to like make a good living. That's really hard when you have when you're coming from this place of like, I'm secretly a bad person and I'm really afraid of people finding that out. Definitely. It's like running a business is so incredibly vulnerable of showing up, having to share your ideas, always like being worried that other people are going to judge you. I definitely find that I don't show up as much if I'm in just like a yucky headspace. 1000%. I know one of the things that I really struggled with, you know, maybe two years ago before I started working with a therapist was that rejection felt literally like the end of the world it would spin me into an existential crisis. Because, you know, I had this idea that I was deeply flawed, or like deeply unworthy, however you want to put it at my core. So if I were to like put myself out there for something, and somebody said no, or just didn't respond, instead of it being like what it is now, which I feel like is a normal response to rejection, which is like disappointment, I wanted something, I didn't get it, or, you know, maybe your ego is hurt a little bit. But it used to feel like confirmation that I was so deeply flawed. And that was really, really painful. So of course, that made it so much harder to take the risks that I needed to take in business. I think that like when we get rejected, either through sales calls or people not like buying our offer or whatever it is, it feels like so personal, like a rejection of us. But it's, I think, reframing it of like, it's not a rejection of who we are. It's more of like, this just isn't the perfect fit for them right now. It doesn't have to make you question your validity as a service provider, as a business owner, or even as a human. It's just like, okay, this is just a rejection and that's okay. So in a weird way, like, you know, people always say like, just take risks, but that's so hard to do when the risks feel like life and death. And now taking risks just, it feels a lot safer and it feels, you know, like there's so much less at stake, even though like objectively it's the same amount at stake, but in my mind, it's, it just feels so much safer and better to take the risk. So of course I'm going to take them more, right? One thing I've been trying to like focus on in business and like in risk taking, I'm like, okay, if I fail or if I get rejected, it's not really like a quote unquote failure. It's just information. It's something that I can take that information and then revise, create a new plan, go from there. So thinking of things in the less like scary life or death, like you win or you lose kind of thing. It's just like, it's just information. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that is such a healthy way to look at it. So what was one of your biggest takeaways from your therapist or like what's something that you would want to share or pass on to others from your experience? Hmm, that is a good question too. Biggest thing that I think would be applicable to to almost anyone listening to this is that the idea that your pain is valid and it's not your fault. I had this idea that because I couldn't tie any of my hurt or pain to like a single traumatic event, like a car accident or assault or something like that, that meant that it wasn't valid and that it was my fault, that I was like inventing it out of thin air because I couldn't tie it back to like a singular root cause. So the idea that it is valid and it's not your fault was really helpful because it allowed me to actually begin to process it and stop blaming myself for it let go of the shame around that so I think if anybody relates to that of like having you know pain around stuff and not being able to to tie it back to a single 
people thing, which I think is really common because, you know, the experience of being a human is rarely linear and rarely that clear cut. But there's not a lot of language, especially, you know, I think more now, but especially growing up, there wasn't a ton of language around that, that it's okay to like have that pain, even though you can't tie it back to like a singular event that other people can see and like mark in a calendar. I love what you said about like releasing the like blaming yourself for it. Exactly. Because if you're sitting there like, you know, I have this pain, but it's my fault. And also I don't deserve to really have it because nothing quote unquote happened to me. It's, you can't move through it because you're just, you're not allowing yourself to even acknowledge that it's there really. So you get really stuck. And the only way to make progress I found, at least in my own experience, was to accept that it existed and sort of release the pressure valve of that blaming, like that blame that I was putting on myself so that I could process it and move forward. I love that before we were talking and you mentioned that going to therapy had helped you overcome like low self-esteem and that you didn't realize how much it was impacting not only just your business but also like your revenue what kind of change did you notice from that yes like I said, when I was experiencing chronic low self-esteem, people, you know, you'd get this advice to do all of these things in business, like try to pitch speaking opportunities or charge what you're quote unquote worth, which is just the worst advice I think for anybody. But especially if you like, if your self-worth is really low, like that advice does not help you and you probably <laughs> charge less. You know, I remember when I, like the first year that I started my copywriting business, I was really scared of anybody in my personal life finding out about it because I was just sure that they would find the thing that's kind of like, oh, honey, like, uh, like you think you can do that. Mm-hmm. That's really sad. <laughs> would, they would somehow know that I wasn't good enough to do it. So I really limited myself because I like refused to tap into any personal network. And also it's just, it's not a good energy to put around your business, this feeling like you have to keep it secret. For the first couple years, I only got clients through referrals because I was afraid of doing any kind of active selling because I only wanted to charge money to people who were like actively coming to me. I guess, because that was the only way I felt worthy of it. Basically, they were like begging me to work with them. So that limited my revenue opportunities too, because I refused to like take any agency and getting new clients and charging more and upselling people and doing all the things you really need to do to have a sustainable service business. I love that. And so relatable. The other day I was talking to a family member and, um, they saw that I have made this podcast and they're like, oh, what is it? Like, where can I find it? And I'm immediately like, oh, what podcast? I don't know. It doesn't exist. <laughs> like, please don't listen to it. <laughs> Where it's like, I like, why am I being like scared of this family member listening to it? <laughs> totally. I mean, it feels really, it does still feel vulnerable, right? For people who like know you to see this other side of you. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, well, everyone else is like a stranger on the internet. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I used to do theater in high school and I, I really would get so much more nervous when like my mom came to see the show or something versus if it was just like a bunch of people I didn't know. Um, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, like, oh crap. They like actually see me through this. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It feels a lot scarier. Okay, so in business, we have to go through all of this kind of mindset junk that's going on in our brains. And sometimes we bring it into kind of pitch to us in programs of like changing your mindset around whatever it might be like imposter syndrome or your money mindset. And I feel like sometimes there's a really thin line between business coaching and then just 
needing a therapist, mm. what would <laughs> like some tips that you would give someone if it's like they should be looking for a therapist? Wow, that is such a good question. So like a business coach, they're going to coach you on, you know, mindset stuff on things that they want you to do. But I remember hearing some of that advice and just being like, there is no way I can get there because it is just not possible for me because I am terrible. I think if you're if you have like a self esteem problem that that is kind of severe and the way mine was, it's really hard for a coach to coach you. Like I think you almost become uncoachable at that point because your problem is with yourself, not knowing what to do in business or it's not, it, I don't think that's a mindset issue so much as it. it's like a deep rooted behavioral thought pattern issue that you might need more professional one-on-one -on -one help at that point. But I am not a therapist, so I don't ever want to tell anybody that they need to go to therapy at all. Sure, sure. That's just my experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just find like just such a thin line sometimes like, oh, it's a mindset thing. You need to change the mindset where it's like, actually, it might be something a lot deeper going on. Totally. I had this, like, I didn't know what exactly the things in my past or in my childhood, like, I couldn't point to those events and like articulate them before. But I did have this sense that these were problems that I had had for a long time, that it didn't just arise when I started a business, although maybe it became more dire because suddenly my like income was tied to it in a different way. I had the sense that I needed to look to my past and address those like early relationships first before I could do this like moving forward stuff. So that might be another indicator if you feel like some of your issues are, are, are rooted in the past and you want to go back. A lot of coaches are really focused on moving you forward, like looking at where you are, moving you forward and not really looking at childhood stuff, not really looking at, you know, teenage stuff or like your foundational relationships. Mm, I love that um, kind of analogy of looking to the past versus looking to the future. What is the most important thing that you think that you have learned throughout your business journey so far? I think the most important thing that I've learned in my business journey is whatever makes me feel alive is probably the right choice. You know, I struggle sometimes with decision making and connecting with that intuition. But when I'm able to trust the feelings that come up for me when I'm trying to make a decision, like, does this feel good? Like, does this make me feel energized and excited? Whenever I've made decisions based on that, and whenever I trust the decision, when you know, something is making me feel kind of like, like it makes me want to like hunch my shoulders up and it, you know, I don't feel super excited about that and trusting that that's probably not the right choice. Like just learning to trust these feelings that they're pointing you in the right direction. If anyone relates to like having your practical mind, like really override your intuition all the time, then you might relate to this <laughs> for a while. You know, everyone tells you to choose a niche, right? If you're a service provider. So mm -hmm. yeah, my first niche that I chose, I chose it purely out of low self-esteem and pragmatism. So I was like, I want a niche where other people are making a lot of money. And I also want a niche where not every, a lot of people that I'm seeing, like don't have the same one. Like I wanted it to be so unique because I was really scared of competing because I thought that I wasn't good enough to compete. I was mm -hmm. like, if I'm the only one doing this, then it'll be okay. So I chose that first niche and I, I really didn't feel good about it. And it didn't end up working out um, for a bunch of different reasons. At the end of the day, what I really wanted to do was do website copy because I love that work. I love the strategy that goes into that. And I wanted to serve service providers or 
service-based, client-based companies because I understand them really well because I am one. I'm building a, a company in that zone. So it just felt really right. And I was scared of doing that for so long because there are so many website copywriters out there who serve people in the space. My business has skyrocketed since I decided to focus on that because it it just makes sense for me and it makes me feel alive. I love that. I think it's so easy for us to like get caught up. Like if you see other people in your industry doing something, oh, they made a freebie. Like I should make a freebie or <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> just like random things that you see people doing and then like the comparison sets in or you feel the pressure to always be doing more. That check of checking in and like, does that actually feel good or something that I want to be doing? Absolutely. I even more recently, I have an example of not following my intuition. Um, and I'm hoping that it's a lesson that possibly I'm done learning, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> I think it was last year, like the beginning of last year, I was like, okay, I want to start to scale out of this service provider zone where I am doing all of the work. And I looked around and it seemed like everybody, I'm sure it's kind of similar in the design space where everybody is sort of scaling by moving into coaching programs. Like they're going to teach other people to do what they do or they're going to teach, you know, their clients to do it for themselves, like launch a coaching program. I launched one. Like I did the whole thing. Like I did the marketing plan and I did the events and I like launched a program and I got a couple people in it. The whole time it felt so bad, but I just kept pushing through because I was like this is what you do. This is what you're supposed to do. I realized that I was super dreading being a coach. I was like I do not want to do these coaching calls. Like I don't think this is something I want to do. Um, so I ended up refunding my two students and saying, like, I'm really sorry, here's your payments back, but I think I'm going to shelve this program for now. Now I've realized that I think I want to scale by like building more of an agency and less about, you know, less not do coaching in that way, because I don't think that was my calling. Like there are so many amazing coaches out there, but I don't think that's for me. So that's just another example of maybe having to learn the hard way that, you know, trying something it's not right. And only realizing that maybe, you know, later than I wish I would have, because I wasted a lot of time. I disappointed those two people. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it was like such a good thing to like, if it doesn't feel good to you, it's not going to feel good to them either. So I think that was just like acting in integrity too. Absolutely. And, and coaching is so personal that, yeah, I couldn't have brought that like dreading, I don't want to be here energy to people who are paying me to like show up for them in that way. Right. I want to show up for my clients in a way that feels so aligned for myself, too. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. I feel like that's a hard thing to share sometimes, like when things don't work. It is. But, you know, I love it when other people talk about it uh, because I think it's it's just a part of like this entrepreneur life. And it can feel lonely when things don't work out or when you're second guessing yourself. So I think it's really helpful to hear people talk through this stuff. I'm like living on social media and like, you only hear about the really awesome stuff. So it's good to hear both sides. Okay, so I'm gonna switch gears and do kind of like a rapid fire this or that you can tell me which one resonates with you. And you can give me an explanation or we can just keep going. Okay. Morning person or night person? Morning. Clean desk or messy desk? Clean. Ocean or mountains? Ooh, ocean all the way. TikTok or Instagram? Instagram because I think it's nicer. I think people are nicer. <laughs> I, I do like TikTok though. <laughs> I like the feistiness of TikTok though. <laughs> That's just me though. <laughs> I like it as a 
consumer. I don't know if I'd like it as a creator. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather be scared or embarrassed? Oh, God. Uh, embarrassed, I think. Final question for you is, what are you currently trying to get clarity on? This next phase in my business where I'm hiring people underneath me and building into a beyond Krista business, like more of an agency. So figuring that out one step at a time. So it's definitely something I'm, I'm getting clarity on a lot as we mm -hmm. go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people follow along and follow your journey? Thank you so much for having me, Marissa. Um, if anybody wants to connect with me, I'm active on Instagram. My handle is my name uh, and my business name. So it's Krista Walsh Copywriter. And my website is the same. It's kristawalshcopywriter.com. So another way people can connect with me if you guys want like some fast and easy, tangible website copywriting tips, I do have a DIY website checklist that's available for free. If you grab it, you'll also be on my email list, which I send out every week. It's called the Midweek Missive, um, where I give you know, tangible advice about website strategy and copywriting and also talk about business stuff, everything that goes into that kind of like we did here today on the podcast. Amazing. We'll definitely link that in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I would be thrilled to know if any of this resonated with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at quillandco.design. I can't wait to continue this conversation. And of course, as always, I welcome your feedback on topics to cover going forward. So go ahead, send me a DM on Instagram. I cannot wait to say hi to you. 